All right. All right. We're, We're live. Well, not really live. Oh, you know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> so. We should probably do an introduction. Who's who? Yeah. Yeah. You want to go first? I guess so. It's your studio. <laughs> Apartment studio, Mount Vernon. <laughs> Saying. I don't know. Go ahead. I'm Jeff Christopher. Uh, I've been a lieutenant for about three years now in my volunteer department. Um, I'm I'm a big engine guy. Um, I love playing with the hose and just working with the line and teaching younger guys the traits. And Jeff, what's your what's your social media handle? Uh, you can find me at Fire Life Motivation on Instagram or Facebook. Nice. So um, my name is Zach Pulvino. Uh, I've been a firefighter uh, for about 12 years now, going into, uh, I think, my 13th year of service, uh, over two tours, two stints, same department. Um, i am been a lieutenant on and off. Uh, my first stint, I was a lieutenant for a year and a half, and I'm currently a lieutenant now, again, going uh, into my second year, full year. Um, previously, my previous experience has been on the engine, uh, although right now I'm currently assigned the uh, lieutenant of the heavy rescue, uh, but I still love, still love engine work, still love doing a lot of hose line stretching, uh, drills about, you know, hose lines, hose line advancements, standard operating procedures and guidelines, whatever you happen to call it, uh, nozzle work, uh, big, big fan of that kind of stuff. But as a volunteer, uh, Jeff and I are in the same volunteer department, um, I think, you know, as volunteers, we have to be pretty cross-trained across the board, right? Oh, without a doubt. No matter, you know, the fire can come in and, you know, it's a perfect example. Um, it was about a week ago, we had a, a small kitchen fire in, a, in, an, in an apartment. Um, and I arrived on scene uh, in my personal vehicle. Uh, Jeff, you came down on engine one? Yep. So, again, you're on the primary attack line, primary engine, um, by the time I grabbed an air pack and, and was able to get in, um, you know, you guys had a pretty full crew that was going, going to work. Yeah. It was like three guys that were easily manageable. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't a huge, huge fire either. No, right. I mean, it was, but... a, it was relatively maintained, but again, working fire, uh, a lot of smoke pushing, um, for uh, actually six unit apartment building. Um, so I took, um, I took a crew, a small crew up to the, the floor above, uh, did primary, you know, primary searches. We we had reports that everybody was out of the structure, but again, uh, being an aggressive fire department, we do those types of things. There's an aggressive push with the line. You guys had an inch and three quarter off and flaked with a smooth bore nozzle ready to go, um, and we made entry to the upstairs to the second floor, actually the third floor. Uh, when you look at the apartment, there we look at the building. There was two apartments that are somewhat below grade. Uh, what would be sort of considered the first floor is actually the second floor. Uh, so I ended up yeah, going go to up. the third floor, uh, two apartments up there. We forced a door in one of the apartments. Again, had a decent smoke condition, but, you know, we, we can't just go on the reports that somebody's out, right? Oh, we got to make sure. You can never trust it because you just don't know. Exactly. Yeah, then someone's up there and they happen to die. You get to live with that then. Right. So what I, I guess where I was going with that, though, is, Right, depending on where you are, depending on if you're at the firehouse, depending on if you're going to right to the scene, if it's our fire, um, you may have a different role. Uh, you may not always be riding the engine. You may be on the rescue. You may be on the truck company. Um, 
you know, so depending on depending on where things go, you know, you got to kind of know all those roles. And that goes not just for the officers, but that goes for our, our firefighters, our regular, you know, regular firemen. They got to be able to, you know, if we tell them, hey, take a six foot hook and go in there and start pulling ceiling, they know what they're doing. You know, they also have to be able to take a line, and, you know, and go put fire out or they have to be able to do a primary and then secondary search. So all those roles are important. I really do think that when it comes to being a fire department, uh, an aggressive fire department, that's that's an important thing. I do think, I do think though that there is some, um, well, like specialty or yeah. But before I get to that part, what I was gonna say, because I said now that we're an aggressive fire department a few times, but and I think here's the rub: some people hear aggressive, and I think they take it into the wrong context. Aggressive does not equal reckless. Um. And that's one of the, the big things, right? Right. You see it on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, the, the Facebook warriors, the keyboard warriors, right? Yeah. They're too aggressive. They shouldn't be doing this. Well, you're looking at a picture or a video that's a moment in time. So, A, I don't like playing armchair quarterback on any fire department or any fire that I see. B, come to our fire company. Come to our fire department. See how we operate, right? When we need to go in and do, an, do a search and take a line into the seat of the fire, we do it. If there's times that, you know, the, the incident commander, the chief of department gets there and says, guys, you know what, it's, this is defensive, you know, we'll, we'll pull back and we'll do that. I just wanted to put that out there because I think some people kind of get in their minds that if, oh, if you say aggressive, you're reckless. No, no. There's a lot of great aggressive departments out there. The four letter big brother, right? Right. The, the, but look how coordinated they are. They yeah. see it as every uh, just another day at the office, right? Even even the big pay department that's what ten minutes down the road from us. Mm-hmm. They're an sure. aggressive department, but if you listen to the radio, there's a lot of times, hey, that house is going and it's fully fully involved, right? That terminology is also questionable sometimes, not necessarily with them, but just in general. Yeah, that's, what is fully uh, involved versus well involved? Yeah, we've seen pictures. Is it the garage or is it the whole house? Yeah, so it's, you know, um, so again, again, aggressive, I really don't think aggressive equals reckless. So I know that was one of the one of the things that we had on our list here of, of things to talk about today. Um, kind of, right. and I think this is kind of getting off to a good start. You know, we're talking about a lot of different things that, that we've seen over the, the, the years. Exactly. Because everyone wants to go full bore talking about the recklessness, you know. But you got to have that balance between reckless and uh, being aggressive. And, and I think the other thing too, right? You can be, you can have a defensive operation that is still aggressive. Um, Saturday morning, we went. Our department went mutual aid to the volunteer department right next door to us. Uh, we were on the automatic assignment for a garage fire. Um, and this wasn't any ordinary garage. This was a four car, uh, at least four car, two story plus garage, um, partially under construction, mostly completed. How far what, would you say the lay was off the road? Uh, probably a good 200 plus feet. Um, so it's not like your typical residential house where it's 50 feet, if that. Right. Yeah. Your road. setback was pretty far. We pulled up. 
Um, their first out engine was already on location. They be, be, were beginning to stretch some two and a half in, uh, lines off. Uh, we pulled up. We hit the hydrant. They laid in from the hydrant, uh, which was probably about 150, maybe 200 feet from the, the incident. Um, our pumper picked up on that feed and fed them. Uh, we and our crew went up and we started pulling two and a halfs. We had my crew. I know specifically, uh, we had a full engine. So we had eight plus, uh, the chief and one rider with the chief who, uh, then geared up. Um, we pulled, uh, we kind of split across two different two and a half lines. We had a two and a half going with the smooth bore nozzle. My crew had a two and a half with the blitz fire. Um, the, uh, the primary company had another two and a half up there. Um, that they were working, uh, so we had right away three two and a halfs going. It's a lot um, of water. A lot of water. Uh, I think at one point the primary company broke their two and a half down to and threw an inch and three quarter length on there for a little bit more maneuverability. Um, I think they were going to make try to make a push. Um, the the uh, incident commander came back over the radio and said, you know, no, we're not going inside yet. We're gonna we're gonna knock down the majority of this fire before we make any entry. And that's what we did. We had a lot of water on that fire right away between our blitz, the other two and a half. Uh, they had a line on the number three side uh, going, you know. So there was uh, there was You're, a lot of a lot of water. A lot of water, at least two thousand gallons a minute. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. Now we had, I think, a, a pretty decent hydrant that we were on, uh, but you could see, you know, the the advantages of of you know in our our suburban town, our first ring suburb of a large city. Um, decent water, um, you know, hydrants every 500 feet, maybe even less, um, you know, and, you know, we, we had a, a, trying to remember if it was a four inch or five inch large diameter hose that they had. I think it was four inch. Yeah. We're we're four inch. Yeah. They run with a four inch, just NST. Yeah. They had the NST threads on there. We run a four inch storts, uh, connection, but. You know, again, we have the adapters to to overcome, and that's you know something we drill on in practice. Improvise, adapt, and overcome. Well, yeah, and it's you know a little bit more than that too, right? Um, every situation presents differently. This one, you know, we kind of had, um, we were given orders over the radio. It was a short drive. I mean, this was literally like a two minute drive. Yeah, I mean, this fire, if it was you know two houses over, you know, south or north rather. It would have been our district, right? I mean, this was Easily. just on the edge. So yeah. so we were kind of going in thinking about it as if it was our first two. So, uh, but yeah, it was a good, it was a good fire. Good job. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we had a lot of practice from Thursday, uh, Thursday night with our, our small kitchen fire. And then um, actually going back to Wednesday when you think about it. Yeah. Because we had our SOP drill. Yeah, we did. We did. SOG. Um, yeah, we, uh, we did have a, a, a good drill and, you know, we talked a lot about different situations and how we would lay out lines and, you know, what is our SOG, but then kind of what is our SOG plus, right? Right. What would be some, some things that we might do? Talk about different lays, like a dead end lay too, but pri- our primary feeder operation for a bread and butter house fire was what we really went over. Mm-hmm. What well, we pretty much executed then on Thursday. Right, right. Th- yeah, Thursday night, we, you know, that first line was off. And I mean, the fire on Thursday was held pretty much in the 12 by 12 area of the kitchen with a with a can. Yeah. Two and a um, half gallons of water. Yeah. 
put out a lot of fire, um, held it, and then it was just mopped up with the uh, inch and three quarter. Uh, again, even though our crews, our, our SOG is the first engine pulls past the house or the, the building, so you leave the front open for the truck. Um, our, our second in engine uh, then stops at the, the first engine, drops their four inch, and then proceeds to the hydrant. Um, and they did that. They proceeded to the hydrant, made the corner uh, down the other street, side street, hit that hydrant, charged their four inch to engine one. Uh, so there's plenty of water. I don't think we ended up, if you think about it, we probably could have held it everything with 500 gallons that we have in the booster tank. But it's still good to have, right? Yeah. Our, 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 SOG, our SOG executed perfectly without having a lot of screaming on the radio of this is what you need to do. There wasn't, there wasn't engine two, drop your line here, do this, do that. It was, boop, engine one on location, you know, lines are stretched. You know, without even the chief having to give that order, um, and we were ready to go. We were rocking and rolling. Yeah, there was no unneeded radio transmissions like other areas and. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and you know what? That's not a knock on anybody, right? Um, no, it's just things I notice. I know you notice, Zach, about it. Yeah, and I think it comes down to, and again, not to, not to. Not to knock on anybody and not to call anybody out, but just to say that, you know, it all comes back to how you practice. Um, And if you have well-defined standard operating guidelines or standard operating procedures, whatever you call it, um, those things work well. So there's a storm rolling through here. Yeah, um, I guess it's supposed to rain again. Yeah, so it's, you might hear a little bit of wind because we were sitting on the second floor of an apartment with a you know house with uh, windows open. So yeah, in the two three corner. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess you know. So Jeff, you got a whole bunch of stuff in front of you. Yeah, just right. some stuff I typed up uh, last week. Just common leadership stuff and how it's sort of important to the fire service. Mm-hmm. It's or, critical. But, yeah. It's critical, like you said. Um, starting off is what is leadership, what it is, traits, personality, mm-hmm. integrity of it. Sure. So, to me, um, leadership is a rather broad term that kind of covers and applies a lot of things. Um, there's a lot to it. Um, it's not just, in our case, wearing a fancy red helmet um, with a radio strap and, you know, being on the, the, the front seat of the pumper going in. Um, and you can kind of get into all the, the tactics of being a leader. But at a more conceptual level to me, you know, again, a, a leader in this kind of case, you know, is really... Um, there isn't, there isn't to me one, one way to do things. No. Right. There never is. Right. So as a leader, you have to be able to kind of touch on different styles of leadership, depending on the situation, depending on the person. Um, I guess kind of getting into your, the second bullet point there, some of the, the traits to me, um, a lot of it comes down to integrity, your honesty, um, if you can't be trusted, guys won't listen to you. Oh, we've seen that. 
just even in our little department how lack of respect maybe or do you think just how they come off of being a person well i think there's more to it than that um i mean some of my other some of my other points here i think would be right you you have to be a people person in a in a sense you can't be totally you know bending over backwards for everybody right no you can't be the yes man right you're a leader you have to make decisions sometimes those decisions are going to be uncomfortable um or unpopular um but you know you have to be open to some new ideas you have to be you know at least willing to to learn and 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 always be kind of expanding your own knowledge base whether again it's both tactically and how to put a fire out or you know how to cut apart a car or it's learning about your people learning about how to lead people learning how to be a leader um it's continuous it's non-stop it is it absolutely is you have to be continually learning uh no matter what your position is in the fire service whether you're the the as ryan peddington would call from a jump seat nation if whether you're the jump seat fireman you know the guy just getting on the job and and you know we treat this as a job even though we're both volunteer um whether it's it's that that jump seat fireman or it's somebody who's more of a senior member uh lieutenants captains assistant chiefs battalion chiefs whatever your department calls them you know you have to have um you have to be continually learning um and wanting to improve yourself you gotta be self-reassessing constantly i feel you do you do have to always look at yourself in the mirror um i'm a big fan of that and there are times that i fail at doing it i'll be first the first one to um admit um as i'm getting rained on here (laughs) you you have to come on you're the engine guy yeah water never hurt anyone you um you absolutely have to um sometimes take a step back and admit when you're wrong admit when you've made a mistake um that recently has has happened to me um i've had to take a step back and say hey you know what i was in the wrong i i said some things um in a situation that i probably shouldn't have uh, i didn't have all the full the full information um and i kind of let my emotions get a little bit the better of me now things happen um i think the the biggest part the biggest thing from that is you know for me again i i, I take it as some self-reflection um and take that away and and then move forward from it learn from that definitely learn from it um you know and and when i'm in that situation again it's you know i handle it differently because of that past experience you're sort of gonna control your emotions then yeah oh absolutely um it's it's pretty much what training is to take you back to that past experience to give you that type of reality again right right absolutely yeah i think um you know i think there's a big part of it though is like you said jeff you have to be you have to be willing to look at yourself in the mirror you have to be willing to to kind of think the situation through maybe afterwards i'm a big proponent of i I keep a journal um a daily journal not just stuff that happens to me in the fire department but stuff that happens to me in my 
my paid job, uh, my nine to five, you know, regular job. Um, those situations again, so I can learn from them. I can go back to it and look at it and say, Hey, this is how I handled it, you know, and probably I should have done this differently or, Hey, I did this really well and I should do that again. Right. So I think a lot of times real quick that I want to say, uh, cause it just popped in my mind. We talk about self-reflection and I think we kind of give it a negative spin, right? It's always, right. Oh, you're self-reflecting what you did wrong. But there's but a difference between constructive and criticism with it. There is, but you should also look back and say, hey, I did this really well. I really did a good job here. And that way you can you can say, again, you apply that to the next time. Right. It's not always negative. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the negativity of a situation. We can get caught up in... You know, uh, it's always wrong, or I did this wrong, whatever. Sometimes you just got to say, hey, you know what? The situation worked out. Look at me. Not not in a, a arrogant sort of way. Right. But just say, hey, yeah, I, I know what I'm doing. I know how to handle this. You know, next time this happens, yeah, I'm the guy. I know. Right. Um, I think the other thing, too, you know, is... Kind of going back to those traits again, talking about being a people person, but also, but it's really more of a servant leader. Um, it's empowering your people, right? We shouldn't be afraid as officers, as leaders. We shouldn't be afraid of making more leaders, right? We should be empowering the people that are coming up behind us. Um, because again, we're not, you know, not that we're, you know, not going to be here, but you're not guaranteed, right? Exactly. Something, could, something could happen, and especially in the volunteer service, right? Let's face it, something could happen where, you know, life takes you into a different direction. And, you know, if I, if I, you know, hypothetically, if I, you know, step away, just, you know, who's going to fill that role, right? And hopefully it's somebody that has, you know, kind of learned along the way. Um, but again, it's also the, going back to servant leadership. It's also, to me, it's about how do, you know, how do you prepare your people to make decisions um, and execute without you micromanaging them, right? So, again, we had that fire last Thursday. Um, Everyone just knew their job to their extent as you keep getting rained on, but... <laughs> as long as the microphone doesn't get wet. It's under warranty. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, everybody but, everybody does their job, right? Everybody yeah. just goes ahead and, and, and does their thing without having um, necessarily... That the, communication yeah, factor. that of, officer that's sitting up front or if you're sitting in the back, you know, because there's a captain up ahead of you, of you having, again, to tell somebody, okay, now, now Billy, take the line here and do this and go up here. But that sort of takes it back to knowing your people, of, of their capabilities. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. That crew that came off at of engine one was a pretty experienced, solid crew. Right. For the most part, it was. Right. And, and I think the other part with experience is it's not just the time in because you can be in for a long period of time and, and treat... not have as many fires or whatever. Yeah. Gain that experience. Yeah. So you had a lot of guys, though, on engine one that night that got off, been there before. You know, they've, they've done this. They know what they're doing on engine one and, you know, take the line. Boom. 
that line was was stretched and flaked out uh at the door and they had you know the 50 feet of working length right at that door yeah we did just do a little correctiveness nothing major but and again that's i think to be expected on every run yeah right yeah because a lot of them haven't really had that stress of the real thing happening i think you know going back to that incident in particular i think we had a shorter setback than we're used to oh yeah it was like 20 feet yeah right it was short right we probably could have pulled if we pulled our 200 foot cross lay um that's how we operate that's our sog um if we were a department that didn't run cross lays and you know we were estimating the stretch we probably could have pulled you know 100 feet 150 feet and been good um but you know it is what it is so yeah, because we still had a lot of line still left out afterwards. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the fifty foot. At one point, I came downstairs to talk to the chief real quick, and there, that fifty foot uh, coupling was right at the door, and there was a lot of line inside. And I mean, it wasn't far off of the the front entrance, right? It was maybe what eight steps up, if that. If that, it wasn't. And then it was a quick, a quick, a quick right, right and then a quick left, yeah. and, and literally the fire was right there. So yeah, maybe twenty feet inside the residence. Yeah, and again with a smooth bore, with a lot of reach, a lot of reach, a lot, a lot of, penetration, of penetration. You know, good, good water source. Yeah, you, we weren't worried about you know being right. You know, wasn't like you had to be right there, but we were. So. Oh, there's the rain. <laughs> um, so, what else? What else you want to hit on? Um, well, while you were talking about your personality and traits, it pretty much brought me back to extreme ownership. Hang on, folks. All right, we're back. <laughs> okay. So before we cut there for that little break, Jeff, you were talking about extreme ownership. So you had, you had some, some thoughts that you wanted to, to hit on. Yeah. Um, I spent some time reading uh, Extreme Ownership, How the U.S. Navy Seals Lead and Win by Jocko Willick and Leif Babin. I highly recommend it. It is a great book. I also spent a ton of time listening to their podcast by Jocko with Echo Charles. But extreme ownership is something that you definitely have to take into account for for everything you do without a doubt. Whether it, you might think it's the team doing something wrong, it could just end up being you not realizing it. Or even your ego can play a big role in just how you want to tackle something or give orders or feel that self-empowerment of it. Yeah, ego, um, I think, you know, we've heard it a lot at different, you hear it a lot in different podcasts. Um, Go back to some of the ones that I listen to, uh, whether it's the guys I really enjoy uh, from Flow and Vent, um, or uh, National Fire Radio. Um, 
uh, Ryan Paddington, his podcast, uh, my buddy, uh, new buddy Sean Egan, um, who's who's in the Thin Red Line Radio. Um, a lot of things that these guys talk about. One of the common things is the ego, right? Ego kills, whether it's figuratively or literally. Your ego can can kill your credibility. It takes over you. It does. It does. It it's swallows you up. It's indulgent, right? You're indulging yeah. in, um, you're really kind of indulging in your own image of yourself, whether it's right or wrong, um, and it can, it can make it kind of a, a difficult situation, right? Because not everybody's perfect. We don't know everything. No, it's impossible to. It's impossible to be perfect, right? So I exactly. said earlier. I was saying earlier before our break, um, you know, recently I made a mistake. I'm not perfect, um, but it's owning up to it, right? It it's, it's that ownership. 100%. Uh, it, I think it tells a lot about a person, whether you come out and say you own something, whether it was right or wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, with, with that, um, you look at... Um, I go in here with ownership right we talk about it it's not just me owning the rig I'm assigned to and me you know making sure my rig is ready to go right we talk about it and say oh well I own that rig I, I I'm the guy in charge of that the rescue right but it's but it's ownership in general as a leader right uh, of me saying hey you know what i want to step up i want to be a lieutenant uh, i want to move towards being a leader um and i own my actions i own my words um good bad right wrong um i, I take care of what needs to get taken care of uh both again tactically you know also but then also um you know, again, as as Jeff, as you pointed out, right? You know, it says a lot about somebody. A character, big time. It's a big. It is. It's a big component of it, right? It's a big component of character. Is a big component of leadership. Um, and we judge people on that. Again, right, wrong, indifferent. It's a human quality. We judge somebody based on their character and whether we think they're a, a, a good person or, or whether we think, you know, Hey, they're a good person, but maybe they're not in the right role. Definitely. Like just simple tasks or calls going out and not going or whatnot. The simple things that it just speaks volumes of, of like who they are. I think. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, some of it is your level of um, level of dedication, but again, we kind of got to be careful here, right? It's like a gray area. We're coming from a, a strictly volunteer department. Um, we don't have experience in the paid side of things. So when we talk about, you know, going to calls, your dedication, right? Everybody does have a life outside of this. Um, and sometimes I think we do have to be respectful of that, right? Sometimes there are things going on in somebody's life that not everybody else knows about. They keep it private, whatever it is. Right. Um, and, and sometimes those things... They just come up and get in the way, and some people don't 
recognize it or they yeah. can't see past it. Yeah, but again, I think, you know, again, we got to, sometimes we do have to temper that with, you know, again, and not to sound like, oh, we're just volunteers, but because we are volunteers, there's, right, it's not like you can put in and say, I want to take a vacation now. I want to use my PTO. We right. don't have it, right? So somebody may say, hey, you know what? I'm kind of kind of be gone for the next week or so from calls unless it's a fire or rollover accident, you know, mutual aid, whatever. Um, but again, it kind of goes back to that ownership. You have to know yourself. You have to know your limits. Uh, I think sometimes, sometimes we talk about burnout um, because it's people that, that push beyond maybe where they need to be, or they need to, to kind of take a kind of take that break to recharge. Yes, definitely. You, you need that recharge time. I feel just cause you get so well involved in the nitty gritty of it. You can't, it's sort of hard to pull yourself back cause you don't want to just let go of it for a week. Cause then you feel like you're left out. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, but then when you come back with your batteries recharged, you're like, all right, I have a clear mind. Let's go out and do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, that is a big thing. Right. Um, I think, you know, you talk to a lot of guys, right? I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to go to FDIC in Indy uh, the last two years. Great week. Awesome. Love it. It gets you fired up again. It does. But at the same time, I also find that, like, this year is the first year that I went. Um, not the first year I went. It's the first time I went since my daughter's been born. So all I wanted to do Saturday when we were traveling back is just get home, walk in my house, and pick up my little girl. Right. And just lay there on the couch and kind of fall asleep. You know, and, and and my wife took that picture of I, I'm falling, I'm I'm asleep on the couch, I got my little daughter sitting on my chest, sleeping. You know, got the blanket over us. We probably slept there for a good forty five minutes to an hour. <laughs> you know, and, and and that was so again while I was recharged from the fire service side, I would also missed your home life. I missed my home life for a week. Um, so there's the balances, right? Yeah. Um, again, you know, I know that I, I can't, when I'm home and I'm not working my, you know, my, my regular nine to five job, I can't, I can't run out to every single call, right? Cause it puts a strain, it puts a strain on my wife, you, she, her. Yeah. I'd love it. to, because I love going to fires. I love going to fire calls, whether it's, I, I, I even like going to EMS calls sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's but, finding that balance. Yeah. Right, right, it is. And it sometimes is. sometimes it's saying, hey, you know what, this isn't my squad week. You know, I, I'm not on squad this week, and the call is on the other side of the district. They got it. You know, hey, Jeff's on squad this week. I know he's going to get, you know, the, the, the EMS rig out, you know. Right. Um, you know, again, and then when, I, when, when my week comes up, I'm there. I'm on. I'm ready to go. So what else you got? Um, 
We're kind of a little all over the place here based on your outline. Not that anybody else really can see yeah, it. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I sort of feel like I'm a sporadic person sometimes. Just well, yeah. And just I think, bouncing all over. And I think a lot of these, these topics or bullet points here, you know, they obviously all fit into each other. It all fits into the central theme of leadership. It all falls under this big umbrella, like I said earlier. Right, leadership is this broad idea, it's yeah. a broad concept. It, it's like seeing a billboard that says leadership. It is right. It, it grabs your attention, but what else is there with it? Yeah, it's going into the big box store called leadership, and yeah. there's you know forty different aisles of different things, and. I they all funnel down to the same idea. They do, but it can be overwhelming, right? Right. We can look at leadership and say, well, I want to talk about all of this, but I'm not an expert in all of this. Right. I find what I'm good at, right? I, I find, you know, developing my own leadership, right? As a young leader, we have to develop ourselves first before we can develop anybody else. Pretty much finding out who you are. Yeah. I mean, earlier we talked about knowing your crew, knowing your people, right? We have to know our people in our own fire departments. Um, I mean, it's a little harder for us because you never know who's going to be on the rig or whatnot. Right. And, you know, you also have 70 different personalities, different people to kind of figure out, work right. with. You know, um, you know. I can't again. I can't speak to to being a paid house, but you know you pretty much have your crew set. You know who's going to be there. Um, For the most part, especially at night, we're going to know who our engine one crew is going to be. Oh yeah, for us, for yeah. us, for sure. Again, it goes back to um, pretty much who gets up, who does it. Not only so much that, right? But but you kind of know who works when, right? Right. You're not going to see me on a Monday through Friday um, pretty much between the hours of 8 in the morning to about 5.30 at night because I'm going to work, working, coming home from work. Unless it's the, the really rare occasion where we get a, a big working fire um, and I can leave my, my job. I'm you know a little bit fortunate enough to be able to do that um, right now at least. Yeah, because you got some flexibility. Yeah, I do. Easily. I do. Um, right. So, so you kind of know who's going to be there. Like you said at night, you know, on, on a Saturday night, like a night, like tonight call drops, you kind of know who's going to be around. We talk to everybody. We know, Hey, so-and-so is going to be out. They're going over here to this party, you know, this graduation party right now or whatever. Right. You know, and again, but there's nothing it, wrong with, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. So a good friend of ours is. You know, sent us a text, said, hey, guys, you know what? I'm not going to be around this weekend. I'm going down to uh, to my property. You know, I just need a little bit of time, you know, kind of away from work, away from the firehouse, you know, recharge. Right. And, uh, and Like we were going back to before getting your batteries recharged. You know, it's a great component, like, psychologically and mentally, physically, too. But it's good coming back just fresh. Yeah, because again, if you're not if you're not recharging yourself, um, and you're not taking care of yourself, you can't be all in. No, right? 
Um, uh, uh, it sort of puts you in like a fuzz or a daze. You're not, yeah, you're not. If you think about it. It does, it does. And you're not playing at 100%, right? It's like, it's like that, you know, uh, the battery that's not fully charged. Right. Right? Uh, it's like going through the motions. Just going through the motions. You're not making that mental assumption, building that physical memory of, all right, this is what I got to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you're, you're... You're there, the, the lights are on, but is anybody really home? Exactly. Um, you know, so again, you got to take, you got to take that time, step away, uh, kind of, kind of reassess, um, some things, you know, reassess yourself, how you've performed over the last couple of weeks, uh, figure out, figure out what you want, what you want to do. Um, and you come back and you're, you have, again, you have that all in kind of mentality, um, because it is, I mean, let's face it. Again, our department, our our area uh, of the uh, the suburban area of Western New York here, we don't burn a lot. the 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 big cities do, um, but but the the suburban outlying areas where we are, we don't necessarily burn a lot. So we're not seeing a lot of heavy fire load. It's a lot of EMS calls, a handful of MVAs, but nothing critical. Right. Right. So, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, geez, I'm going to this address again for the same, you know, same problems. Well, yeah, but you know what? That's our job. That's what we've signed up to do. Um, that's what we volunteered to do in our case. Um, but I get it. Sometimes you just need to say, hey, you know what, guys, I'm not going to be around this weekend. I'm not on squad. I'm not, you know, guys will handle it without me. I don't need to be on every single call. Um, sorry, just looking at an alert. Um, um, so yeah, so what, what else you got? It's all, so like, um, in one of Jacko's podcasts, they were talking about, um, the psychological tendencies of like man from, it's a great book that they talked about. I'm going to buy at some point. But it's based off like an 18-year-old in World War II of all these different qualities of people and like how they adhere to different situations, how they act, and just in general, like how they are as a person, like qualities and whatnot. But they also talked about your cup, how much you can take, too. So everyone's cup's different. So like our buddy, like maybe his cup's three-quarters of the way full. Maybe he just wants to empty it back out and just because he knows his limits mm-hmm. of what sure. he can take. Sure. Yeah, I think so. I think that's... Um... It's a good way of putting it, kind of a good way of thinking about it, right? It kind of we can kind of all picture that, um, and, and kind of put that that whole thing together. Um, you know, some of the other stuff we've talked about that we've got on the list here. Um, I think one of the big ones that you've put on here is uh, the transitioning uh, from a firefighter to an officer. 
in our world, in the volunteer world, in a lot of volunteer departments, it's an election, right? Yep. Um, it's it's sometimes you know who puts their name in, and you got a couple different guys or, or girls, and you know it's the votes, right? Who gets the votes? Um, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. It's it's the way of the world. It's the way our our world works. Um, I mean, granted, if we still have requirements that you have to reach in order to be there right but i I mean mean for our department personally right but i would say one of the things that i think we struggle with not just our department i think it's across you've heard it a lot of different places again fdic um you know some talk to some of the guys that have gone to firehouse uh listen to other podcasts um one of the things that we struggle with is we don't develop our own leaders right so i'm fortunate in my day job um my day job is working as a project manager in technology uh the technology division of a large financial services institution um who puts a big emphasis on developing our own talent and part of that is developing leaders within our our company and you know paying for me to spend eight hours in a class all about communication and learning how I communicate, learning what makes makes me an effective project manager um, because of, of my, what I like to think as, you know, my ability to simplify, right? I don't need to, I don't need to be totally into the weeds and know every single technical detail. I need to know who's on my team. I need to know my people. Yeah, which brings us back up to earlier with knowing your people. But another good point that he brought up is simplifying. A lot, I feel like a lot of people want to reinvent the wheel. In what way? What way do you think? Listen, I don't know, maybe for... Like change for the sake of change versus change because it's, you know, research and this is what we want to do. I'm feeling more like in general. Okay. People want want that. I don't think it's uncommon um, for anybody to be placed into a management position or leadership position. Um, and everybody wants to change, right? Everybody wants to do things their way. They think they have the greatest idea ever. But that's like the biggest mistake, too. It, it, it can be. It can be, yeah. Yeah, just jumping right in, grabbing the bull by its horns, thinking that, I'm going to change everything now because I'm, I'm the leader. That's their intentions. Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think, I certainly think change can be a good thing, right? Personality, my personality is I don't necessarily, I'll challenge the status quo. And if I find out that that, that, you know, process or procedure is there for a reason and it makes sense, I'm good with it. If you give me the old, well, that's just the way we've always done it, then we're going to, then we're going to start diving into it and we're going to start to look at it. Right. I think, you know, Jeff, you and I had this last year, um, with, with, uh, with the hose lines and our nozzles, right. We, we talked about, you know, our, we're, we're a, we're a smooth bore shop right everything we run with the exception of the trash line for car fires 
or dumpster fires is smoothbore, whether that's on the inch and three quarter or the two and a half. A lot of research obviously went into that. I'm a fan of the, of the smoothbore, huge fan, right? A lot of research went into that. Guys right. talking years ago, you know, now almost 20, 25 years ago, having gone to FDIC and learning from, from the man himself, learning from Andy Fredericks, um, guys taking the New York State, you know, engine company class, a lot of it written by Andy, um, you know, and, and, uh, and, and those concepts weren't necessarily, you know, groundbreaking when Andy, you know, Andy Fredericks published them in fire and fire engineering and firehouse. Right. They're just simple. Right. But these are these are things that you know the fire service kind of got away from for whatever reason. I'm not here to judge or, or be critical of that. So, Jeff and I wanted to understand why our flow rates were set at where they were. What our our standard operating guidelines said you should pump at um, for two hundred feet of inch and three quarter with a smooth bore on it, right? Right. And it, but we also have a fifteen sixteen tip tip on there too. Right, but regardless of what size tip we had on there, right, of us looking at kind of some numbers that were in the industry, right, and looking the type at the hose we had, and looking at the numbers that we had within our our own department, a lot of it was we got questioned, not questioned in a negative way, but somebody said to us, you know, well, well, you know, a lot of work and a lot of research went into this. Why are you guys, you know, barking up this tree? And it wasn't that we thought they were wrong, but we wanted to know. Right? It, it, like we talked about before outside of here, but it's that why. The why factor that, that, that led them to that, to, right. to make that decision for it. So I think it's worth pointing out that you and I are members of the quote-unquote millennial generation. Right? right, we're at the tail end of it. Millennials get a lot of knocks on, you know, for various other qualities and things, and you know, stupid internet videos, Tide Pods. That wasn't the millennials; that was the, the next generation, oh. the generation after us. But, but, the big thing is, our generation, we want to know why. We question things, and it's not again. It's not to me. It's not a negative. It's us wanting to have an understanding and not just being told, well, this is the way we do things, right? Because that's just vague. It's crap. Yeah. To me. Uh, it's worthless. It, it is, because here's the deal, right? That guy who was a chief at one point, you know, five years ago, seven years ago, um, you know, who preached this and, and, and understands it, Right, if he didn't pass it down to us, what's it worth then? What's going to happen when he is no longer active member? Let's say, right? Right. You know, it happens, right? Guys get to a certain age and they just say, "Hey, you know what? I need to take a step back. Whatever. I'm going to go down to Florida for the winter. Whatever. I got no problems with that. But don't leave us high and dry without knowing why decisions were made." Um, and again, I don't think this this individual was doing that. I think it was just they were a little awestruck, maybe. Yeah, like like you know, why we were asking these questions. 
Um, and again, it was just, I, I think it really, for me, at least it came down to wanting to understand it better so that if the young, young new firefighter came to me and said, Hey Lou, why do we do it this way? Well, this is why I can explain it to them in a simplified way. Right. Hey, you're, de- you're delivering, you know, this many gallons per minute at this PSI and that's going to give you this, this is going to put the fire out this way. Um, that's, you know, to me, that's, I wanted to have that information. Exactly. I mean, once when they understand it, then it's like, all right, that makes sense. So. So, again, I think we've been a little bit all over the board here. Yeah, that's okay. But, um,. Well, do you want to go back to transitioning from firefighter to an yes. officer? Yeah. What, where we originally were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, it's pretty much just overnight you're going to go from, all right, I'm a fireman. I'm going to run for lieutenant. Cool. I got lieutenant. I got my radio. I got my helmet. Now what? Yeah. I mean, there's no outline for me. It was just pretty much, all right, here you go. That was it. Right. And, and again, I don't think it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's part of, um, part of the nature, but it's also part of, um, I don't want to say, you know, I think just in general as a fire service, we kind of, what, whack? Maybe a little bit. I, I mean, unless, when you go down to the big city. Oh, yeah. Look yeah, at look, look at, Like, they take care of... Look at the four-letter big brother. Yeah. They're, they're in a world of their own, right? They do things differently. They can do things differently. They're the world's largest fire department. But it works for them. For them, it works. Not everything they do works for everybody else. Um... But, you know, you talk about some of the seminars, right? FDIC, Firehouse, you know, even some local ones, whatever. Not everybody can go, right? And it's not because, you know, our our department were fortunate to be able to send a large number of people, right? But this year, Jeff, you couldn't go. I couldn't go. Because of work, right? You had work obligations. You couldn't take, you know, time off. Um. I'm fortunate the way that my my job has played out over the last couple of years. I had, um, I had had a week that I could use um, as, as paid time off and, and be able to go. Um, so how do you how do you work with a new lieutenant, let's say, who has never been to FDIC before, um, and who doesn't really know? Right? What are some things you can do? I think in, in, in our day and age, right, in 2019, there's this great thing called Google. <laughs> yeah, the Google Lieutenant now. Uh, but I, in, I mean, but so it's going to create a good guideline then. Right. To, to just general knowledge, not just this is the position. Right. But typical traits, leadership. And, and, and I will say this. Right? There's a t- tremendous amount of information out there between, you know, 
the, the pages that we produce ourselves, right? My, my first line leadership page, um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, look me up. Um, right. I, I put out content. A lot of it is from stuff I read, um, whether it's different books, websites, blogs, things I hear. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Jeff, you've mentioned a couple of podcasts you listen to, specifically like Jocko's. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I mentioned earlier I, I'm a big fan of, of the guys at Flow and Vent. I really like, um, you know, got to meet Rob down at FDIC. Um, got to meet Jeremy uh, from National Fire Radio. Cool guy. Uh, right? They do a lot of stuff. They put out a tremendous amount of, of stuff, not just the apparatus innovations, but just in general. Some of his, if you follow him on Twitter or uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, you know, Jeremy does a lot of like two minute videos, um, you know, on Sunday nights. Yeah, it's pretty, his are just like a tailboard talk. And Absolutely. It's sweet and right to the point. Right. Another guy, um, now I've taken two classes from him over the last couple of years and I follow him, um, his pages, uh, Jason Hovelman. Uh, yeah, we now, sat in on his class together, what, last year? Last year, yeah. Yeah, the and, new company officer. Yep, yep, and he's got a book uh, through Firehouse, you know, the new company officer. It's a pretty easy read, uh, a lot of tips and tricks, uh, things that have worked well for him. Um, this year I took a four-hour seminar uh, pre-conference class uh, with him. The name escapes me at the moment. I apologize I didn't bring that with me, um, but probably took again i don't know six pages of notes um different things right different situations how to handle different things how to handle yourself uh things to learn from but again he's got a couple of social media pages out there puts up a lot of stuff um i'm trying to think the guys you know a lot of stuff on social on social media that is bad right you gotta take the good with the bad, but you, you gotta have to filter it. Filter it. You have to filter it, and you kind of gotta know what you're looking for. Um, oh, the one I'm forgetting. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but Thin Red Line Radio. Um, my my friend Sean Egan, who's uh, the captain uh, of a truck company um, in Buffalo. Uh, I've taken now his class again twice at uh, FDIC. Even though he's a truck captain, he teaches urban engine boss uh, stuff. Um, but it really is just leadership, right? And whether you're um, a, a volunteer or a paid position, there's a lot of good stuff, a lot of stuff that translates across both both sides. Um, a, a lot of takeaways from either end. Yeah, when you think about it. So I think if you're becoming, you know, if you're if you're coming up and becoming a, that new officer, um, there's a lot of stuff out there to look at, to read. Read books, whether you buy hard copy books like Jeff and myself, or you use an e-reader, you know, you read it on your phone, or, you know, you get a tablet, whatever, um, listen to podcasts, right? Um, again, my job, I can pretty much listen to a podcast if I'm not on a conference call, so it's great. Must um, be nice. But again, but, but you know, <laughs> but, also, also there's, you know, a good, you know, I got a 20-minute commute, depending on traffic up to my office, you know, um, so I throw it on, you know, in the morning I like to listen to the local sports talk radio. Um, but you know, in the afternoon, if I don't want to listen to the, the local gomers, you know, talk about the dysfunctional hockey team and football team, I, I can, uh, I, you know, throw on an episode of, you know, 
uh, you know, Jump Seat or National Fire, or, you know, Flow Invent. Um, even go back. Sounds kind of sad, but even go back and listen to episodes I've listened to in the past. But, yeah, because definitely because maybe you missed something that you never realized then, but then now you do and see how it relates back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My notebook that I have here in front of me, I got a lot of things written down from a podcast from Flow Invent from a couple of one of their earlier podcasts. They were talking about um, some stuff. Um, and I li- probably listened to this podcast three times. Um, it was just so good. But I, I wrote down, I, I kept pausing and rewinding and going back and listening to again because I wanted to write down certain things that they said because they stuck with me. It, it inspired me um, to, to be a better officer myself or it inspired kind of some thoughts of things that I wanted to write about for myself or, or to, to possibly publish, you know, in an article, whether it was just going to be in our uh, department's fa- um, uh, uh, newsletter or something that I might, you know, something I'm working on, you know, for, for larger publication. Yeah, I, I actually do the same thing with Jocko's podcast. Just go back and just type it back into my notes folder on my phone just because it stands out. It's important. I can see how it relates back to the fire service. Yeah, I think um, just for my notebook, um, give me an example here. Um, There was, you know, an episode, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was the guys from, it was earlier in February of this year, the guys from uh, National Fire Radio were with the guys from Flow and Vent, and I probably wrote two pages here of notes. Um, you know, you have to you have to do those self improvement things. And one of the big notes that I wrote and highlighted and underlined is is the uh, the ego part, right? We go we talked about it earlier, yep. but it's 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 that ego and how it can how it can hurt, how it can kill. Um, how, you know, when you get new guys that come into the department, we have to embrace them. We have to understand that they're going to be different from us. Yeah. They, they, There's a generational they difference. Know. And we have to understand that it's okay that they don't know. We can't expect them to know everything right off the bat. Right? Right. Sometimes I think we forget that I've been associated with this department for 14 years. You know, twelve years of service. I, I I've kind of learned a thing or two. Right. Again, by far, not an expert. Don't know everything. Always learning something. But you know, if I say to a probie, "Hey, go take the uh, the case saw out of the rescue and and fire it up," a, do they know what the rescue is? B, do they know what the case saw is? No, no. Do they know where it is first? Good point. Right? Good point. Because, like, when I initially joined the department, it was like, know these rigs because you're going to be the gopher. Go get this. Go get that. It's like, get everything memorized. What's in them and how they're set up on each rig. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Good Good point there. Um, know the rigs, right? And, and, again, and that goes for not just probies. That goes Everyone. for everybody. That goes for guys who have, you know, I don't care whether you're in for a year, 
10 years, 15 years, whatever. Know your rigs, right? You may be riding the rescue with me to an MVA and I say, hey, I need this. Well, give me that deer in the headlights look. You know, in the moment, I'm probably just going to say, okay, stand aside and I'll go do it. Afterwards, actually this happened. This happened a couple months ago. We were MVA member. You know, I said, hey, go get the brooms. Sweep up some of the speedy dry that's down. All right. Looked at me. Uh, where are the brooms? I went back. I said, okay, let me get them. Brought them to the side of the rig. Here's where the brooms are. Put them together. Let's go. Swept up, cleaned up. Got back to the firehouse afterwards. Pulled them aside. Nothing nasty, nothing mean. Just said, hey, dude, you got to kind of know where this stuff is, right? Right. And I said to him, I said, hey, learn the rig because I'm just going to randomly question you over the next week. Say, hey, where, where's this? Where's the where's the chainsaws? Right. Well, then, it, when you think about it, a little more fine, you sort of create a higher expectation then because you're set in that, oh, I'm going to quiz you now. Yeah, and again, I, I guess I want to say, you know, I didn't... Uh, it's not like a bad thing, but no, it, and it's I, sort of like the type of person you are, too. Yeah, and, and I kind of made it a... Not not necessarily a joke because it was a serious thing, right? But it just kind of said, hey. I mean, it's brooms, but. Like, hey, dude, you know, come on. I don't know where things are. Yeah. You know, uh, whether it's me or whether it's you or whatever, whoever the other officer is, they might just say, hey, you know, do this. And if they don't, you know, some people might negatively react. Some people react differently. Right. Um, you know, like the captain of the rescue. Uh kind of gave me that idea and said hey he goes why don't you tell him this why don't you tell him you know we'll quiz you over the next week yeah because that's sort of instilling in his mind yeah and it was funny because the next time i went up to him i said hey where's where's the where's the portable generator oh i know right where it is okay show me here it is good or if you really want to be good you'd be like tell me what's in this compartment without opening it right yeah yeah, I forgot what class at Indy I took, but that was a, like a new probie comes on. They went around the rig once, and they were like, all right, I'm going to quiz you again next week, and we're not going to open the, any doors. Yeah, yeah. Well, we played the uh, we played the pops. Uh, what is it, the popsicle stick game? Yeah, we did that well, initially with Seven, then the rescue. Yeah, we've done it. So Seven is our um, our EMS rig, right? It's our, our light rescue um band-aid rig yeah the yeah not quite a not quite an ambulance first aid squad um but but we had a captain who's who's now stepped stepped down um after i don't know what 10 plus years as a captain pretty much doing all ems yep um so what he did was and he was so his job before he retired um from his full-time job was a teacher uh, a school teacher uh, specifically working with um, special uh, special needs kids and, and high-risk kids. So he's got kind of a different background, right? Volunteer fire service, everybody's got kind of a different background. We draw from that, right? right? We, we, we draw on, you know, Jeff. I'm going to pick on Jeff here a little bit, right? Jeff's got a mechanical background, right? He's good with his hands. He can pretty much take equipment apart, know how it operates, put it back together, Right tremendous asset in the fire service um 
our, our good friend we've been referencing, right? Right. He, he works for a utility company. So, you know, we get calls that involve natural gas. He's, he's our go-to the, guy. He's our go-to guy, right? He's the guy that knows this stuff because of his job. My job, right, what do I bring to the table as a project manager? Um, you know, some of the more soft skills, right? I'm still good with my hands, so I like doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, because of your previous history. Right, but it's but it's also bringing, you know, understanding some of the, you know, if you're going to put a bid, you know, you're going to put something out to bid. Right. Right? It's understanding that process and how to manage that process. Not everybody, you know, again, is, is, is an expert in everything. So we have people across the board. Um, where was I going with this? Um completely lost my train of thought i did too <laughs> um oh the popsicle stick game yeah okay yes you want so, one we got some <laughs> so the popsicle stick game right you take a red solo cup red solo cup <laughs> now i'm gonna pay royalties for that no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> you put you take a bunch of popsicle sticks and you write on there a piece of equipment or you know an item right and you stick them in there Shake up the cup, and at random, somebody pulls it out and say, "Okay, hey, you got to go find the uh, the Sager Splint. Um, where is it on the rig? And they got to go get it. And not to just tell you where it is. They got to go get it and bring it back. Physically to you. go get it and bring it back to me, right? And yeah. hey, you know what? It's a learning experience, right? Because not everybody. Again, sometimes we forget. Some of it's the more eccentric equipment that we don't get to use that often, right? Nice pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. And so, you know, somebody's like, oh, I don't know where it is. Uh, okay, hey, you know what? Let's take the time no now. No big deal. No big deal. Let's 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 all learn where it is. Let's reinforce for those of you that already know where it is. Yes, reinforce because we're healing. We tend to forget. We do. That's why we drill Let's on healing. SOGs. That's why we incorporate, at least in our department, we incorporate our standard operating guidelines, our standard operating procedures, whatever we call them this week, our best practices. We incorporate those into every drill we do, right? And, again, look at the four-letter Big Brother. Their SOGs are out there online. You can Google it. You can find them. Again, they're much more in-depth and detailed because of New York City, right? It's a unique place in and of itself. Right. So we don't see a lot of, you know, five-story walk-ups in our first two, (laughs) But, right, look at how they structure their, their SOGs. Look how they structure everything and put that all together. So that, you know, we're, we bring in some probies. Maybe it's not a bad idea to, to print off all of the SOGs and have them in a binder ready to go. All right. Here you go, bud. Hey, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining. Here's a binder full of SOGs, right? You don't have to read them all at once. They'll put you to sleep. But read through them. And when you have questions, these are the officers to go to. These are the captains you should talk to. If it's a question about the heavy rescue, talk to this captain. Talk to myself. If it's an engine question, talk to Jeff. Talk to the engine captain. Right. If it's a question for the tower ladder, talk to the truck captain, truck lieutenant. Um, yeah, you just include like your, your officer tier with that too. Like here, reference these guys now. Going with that SOG packet. I mean, 
there really should be a introductory welcome aboard. This is what you really should know when you join. Right. And start becoming active. First, first things first, we put the wet stuff on the hot stuff. Put water on fire, right? But that's a big then, thing. Then all your problems go away. Yeah. But, but hey, you know what? Here's the history of our department. Yep. Here's what we've done over the last hundred plus years. This is this is maybe why, you know, we do things a certain way, right? We've found over practice that that our the way we respond works for us. The way we position our apparatus. Um, we're one of the only. I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say this as so much of a matter of fact, but. One of the things that we do with our department is we have one firehouse, one central firehouse, and we have what are called the running cards, right? And it's how we know how to get from the firehouse to that street. And every rig follows the same path. So the incident commander knows he's got his rigs or her rigs coming in the same direction, right? So it makes apparatus placement much easier, right? The last time uh, Chief Salka was up here. Salka, Lasky. The last time that, that, that Chiefs Lasky and Salka were up here in Buffalo and were stopped by our firehouse, um, they loved it. They absolutely loved the run box. and it's. I, I it, mean, we've had that for almost, what, 100-plus years? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, the yeah, I mean, our department has been around for, what, 103 years? 104. Yeah, we're going into our 104th year, I think. A little fuzzy on the math. We're firemen. We're not good at math, um, but that pro that system has been in place at least for the better part of sixty years, maybe even seventy. Right. Right. And all it is is simple. It's a it's a half sheet of paper uh, it, or a fireman proof. It is. It's a it half, is. It's a half sheet of paper with a map. Left here. Right here. Past this street. Left here. On the back of the card. You have a map. A and... map and, and where the fire hydrants are located, right? Even though our, our fire dispatch generally tells us, hey, you've got hydrants located here and here, it's good to have it on paper still in front of you. And, and it's and it's a simple thing. Big, bold letters, half-size half sheet of paper, heavy laminate. So we get a call at, um, and I'll just use the firehouse address, just, you know, 4531 Main Street, Right? That's that's our incident location. We write it on the board, pull the main street card. And whether we're going, you know, east or west of the firehouse, right? Pull that card. Okay, I know how to get there. Right? It's simple. Big time. Yeah. Your kid could probably figure out where it is and know your ABCs. That's about it. Right. But it's those things that, you know, why a new firefighter might say, well, how do you know how to get to this street? Right. Hey, it's a good question. All right, so this is what we do. We take it for granted, right, Jeff? We, you and I have been around here now. How many years you got in? I just hit, got my eighth. Okay, so, yeah, and I'm going on my 13th, I think, total. Old man. Yeah, but, but right? So I take it for granted that that's how the system works. You yeah, know, like we get the that, address and we go, right? It just becomes second nature. Yeah. But a new guy coming in who didn't grow up in the firehouse, right? Maybe his right. parents weren't members. They just moved to, to our district, moved, first moved to our first two. They don't know how that works. And we shouldn't be mad at them, 
Right? Uh, the, Why uh, would they know how that works? No. No, because right? the, they usually just go to the open house. Ooh, look at the big fire that they play with and put out. Right. So let's take that time and say, all right, kid, this is what we do. Right? You're not a qualified driver yet. But. But if you happen to be up but here. Hey, let's say you're at the firehouse hanging out. And you're here and the, 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 the call goes out. Right? You know what to do. You know how to take the. Go to the whiteboard. I still wish it was the old chalkboard. I love the old, <laughs> old chalkboard. But go to the whiteboard right on there. EMS. You know, 123 ABC Street. Right? Pull that card. Leave it on the, the counter. So when that driver comes in, boom, ready to go. The officer comes in, boom, they you know, get on the rig and go. Right? Now, you know, we've if it's a fire, yeah, pull out all of them. So they're sitting out there. So, so... Driver for engine one, engine two, the truck, the rescue, engine right. three. Everybody just comes in, grabs a card, and goes. But again, those are those things, right? That that as a new person, how do you know? Right. Hey, you know what? You're you you like you said earlier. My example earlier. You know, hey, go grab the case off the rescue and, and fire it up. Okay. Well, a do they know what the rescue is? We take it for granted. It says rescue on it. Can't be it. But in our department, we have three. Yeah. Right, right. We have our heavy rescue. Then we our have, two. We have our two EMS rescues, right? And they say rescue on there. Right. So, do they know when I say the rescue? Right. I'm talking about the guys with the capes, you know, <laughs> coming in, right. coming in on the rescue, and you know, we're the big bad, you know, firemen. Right. Do they know that? Do they, like you said, do they know where the case saw is? Do they know what a case saw is? And if they do, do they know how to properly fire it up without injuring themselves? Yeah, because that's just another lesson in itself just to get it started. Right. And, you know, and again, we take it for granted, right? Yeah. Pull the choke, push the decompression, two, three pulls, boom, it's running. Rev it up. Let's go. Well, that's just based on our experience. Exactly. Like, their slate's nothing. Right. Right, and and, we have to build it up for we them. We do, and 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 we shouldn't. And again, I think, as a fire service, right, we talk about these damn millennials. Well, as a millennial, I'm telling you, you know, yeah, that I did, you know, I, I grew up playing outside and riding bikes and, you know, cutting lawns and everything like that. But, you know, the new kids that are coming in, you know, my my younger sister is 19 years old, so I look at the kids that are her age. Um, that are coming in and joining. Um, I think they're Generation Z, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Did they have those same experiences growing up that we did? Right. And it, 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 we can we can moan all we want about how well you know kids these days. Blah, blah, blah. They've been saying that for years. They the greatest generation said it about the boomers. The boomers said it about. Generation X. Generation X said it about us, the millennials, right? It, go, go back in time. The old timers, the really crusty old timers were saying it about guys joining. That's oh, the these, same saying, just a these different These kids face. these days. Back in my day. Yeah, they're all saying the same thing when you think about it. It's just the blame game. Yeah, I mean, it's not even so much the blame game, right? It's, it's somebody saying... They don't know, and I'm too lazy to do anything about it. Or ego. Ego, right? Essentially. You look at you know, they you know these kids don't know 
nobody you don't know what you don't know right an old yogi Berra expression yeah um yeah i mean that that quote from salka right there the only yeah. thing the only thing you can ever be sure of is nothing is ever for sure and that's how the first and last out which uh, another officer of ours is borrowing from me but i also recommend that book too yeah another great book it's been a while since i've read it um but you're absolutely right right you know it's 100 percent true should we uh should we take a little break here you want to yeah why don't we so i can get a get some water all right okay so um we're back um i think one of the things you know where we haven't necessarily hit on we have and we haven't we haven't called it out by name is culture in an organization um right it it it, i think it kind of goes along with leadership in the sense that it's in the same category when you think about it it is right what's the culture of an organization what so the question i guess is right does the culture influence the leaders or do the leaders influence the culture and i don't think there's a right or wrong answer i don't think there is a this is the way it is and 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 this is you know one way or the other i think it can all be situational i think over time things evolve things change um you know if you join a department um that has a great culture in it right why why do they have that great culture it goes back to another concept um you know of of tribal leadership um and i only have scratched the surface of tribal leadership i haven't read the book yet um take i took a class in indy talked about tribal leadership um taught by the same guy that taught the grateful dead class anthony correa uh great class uh, if you're a deadhead like myself <laughs> you and the grateful dead but right what what drives the culture what makes it what makes it great certainly um the leadership plays a part in it so flip it around if you have a bad culture what 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 is driving that is it the leadership do you have leaders that are got into a position with great intentions right they want to do the job they're into it but like we talked about earlier maybe they're not as strongly developed to become a leader right just because you're a great fireman you're an outstanding fireman solid does that automatically make you a great leader because you've checked these boxes and because you've been a member for three years and you've got these classes does that make you leadership material and if it doesn't what are you doing to get yourself to that point what types of talked about it earlier right what types of books are you reading what are you reading are you reading is a great thing right and if you are what are you reading yeah are, right? are they leadership-based? Are they psychological? Are they people-based? Are you just going on Facebook and looking for the pictures and the, the you know, the, the joke pages? Memes? Memes, yeah. Yeah. Right? You know, or are you looking for development? Tactics. 
Not even so much tactics, right? Take the tactical part of it out for right now. Or even um, just teaching how to teach. But before you can teach, you have to master it. Right? So you may be a very technically proficient firefighter, but if you can't get up in front of a group and talk, right? does that... Where where do you go? How do you the, get the transition from that? How do that, you get better at from that? A to B? Right, right. How do you get better at that? So do you go to a group like Toastmasters, where you know it's a uh, group where you join and you know basically you're given a topic and you have to come up with a speech in front of people, you know. So you kind of it's and it's and it's all about developing your skills and abilities at public speaking. Um, right. You may be as technically proficient as, as it can be, but you know, when you're teaching, you get sidetracked, you know, you kind of fall into a rabbit hole, right? right? So what are some things that you do? Do you take a, a note sheet with you, an index card? These are the things that, these are the, the key bullet points we want to talk about. Boom, boom, boom. Right. All right. Take whatever drill it is. Starting up a case off. These are the five bullet points. Right, because you don't want to get into a situation where you have twenty-seven bullet points with. You no, know, you're getting too deep in the weeds. Then you are, you're getting too granular, and you're getting too far away. So keep it high level. So that back to the culture thing, right? right. You're you're a leader coming in to an organization. How do you develop that? How do you become better? Um, unfortunately. Right. Fortunately for us, our department is very progressive and very forward thinking with sending the number of guys that they do to, to Indianapolis, sending the number of guys that they do to the Firehouse Expo, state chiefs, right. all the other different things. Things come up here locally. But, they send people. But the only thing that matters is wherever they go there and take home with and they bring back and disperse to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Right. But that's the biggest thing. But how many departments do we know of even locally that for financial reasons or whatever can't send people? So you're going. So if you want to go, you're either going on your own dime, right. which Indianapolis ain't cheap. No. The, the class is. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's a lot of things that play into that. So, again, and again, Jeff, like somebody like you, right? You weren't able to go to FDIC this year. Right. But does that mean you're not learning? No. You got a pile of books in I front of you. I got books. I'm mainly because you just started talking about reading. This is what I read. Yeah. Right. But you got a pile of books here. You know, a couple of books from, from Jocko. You got uh, Salka and Lasky's Five Alarm Leadership. I know you got, um, you talked about it earlier. You know, Salka's book, First and Last Out. You yeah. let a friend borrow it. You got a bunch of books up on your, your bookshelf over here too. Right. We talked about some books that I bought today. Right. That um, podcast. You got to be proactive about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and are you reading? Right. And again, like you said, not just books, but are you reading, you know, articles in fire engineering, firehouse, right? Magazines come out once a month, but are you going online? Are you checking out their articles online? Are you finding other websites that are out there, other resources, right? There's a ton of guys on Twitter that do nothing but put out quality quality content right quality is hard nowadays right 
But there's guys, um, Chris Tobin, who's a fireman in on the rescue, rescue two in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, also your buddy Jason Holwoman. Yeah. The last couple of days. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, Chief uh, Danny Sheridan from uh, yep. the Big yep. Brother, four letter Big Brother. Um, you know, he puts out a lot of stuff. Um, look at the, the official Twitter pages of Fire Engineering, Firehouse, uh, all those departments, right? Hey, you know what? We're doing a podcast now, but the four letter Big Brother does one. Right. Now, again, some other stuff is specific to them. Right. But. Hey, listen to some of those podcasts where they talk about some some of the old big fires that they've had and how they've influenced how they do things. Right. And then how that how we can learn from it, right, as a fire service in general. So we know when we go into a grocery store, hey, these are some things to look for because of this fire or because of... Because this happened here, this is what we should be cognitive of now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, one of the other things that we have to, like we talk about with um, uh, leadership and the culture is, and I think we mentioned it earlier, what, not just what are you reading, but, you know, look for some things outside of the fire service, right? Yeah. You got the stack of Jocko books there. Yeah. Right? U.S. Navy SEALs. I've got books at home um, relating to my day-to-day job um leadership is leadership whether it's at a bank whether it's at a manufacturing facility whether it's on a fire service leadership is leadership my old man has an expression that he uses about business 80 percent is 80 percent of business is just purely business running books numbers all that kind of stuff the other 20 percent is specific to what you're doing i think if you apply it to what we do 80% 80% of this, of leadership is leadership. The other 20% is, re- is specific to the fire service. Or if I'm talking about it at work, specific to leading a technology division at work, right? Same concepts, right? Yeah. Communications, it's the same, right? Right. So instead of, you know, at my day job, instead of getting the fancy radio, you know, off my clip and saying, you know, ah, you know, Oh, you just wear your headset. Yeah, but I'm I'm communicating. Uh, so the same concepts of yeah. this is what I gotta do. This is how I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. This is well, he's gonna do this while I'm gonna do that. He can do, handle this task. Delegation. Uh, I was just gonna say that. Right. Some people, micromanagers, are afraid to delegate. They're. I think micromanagers are afraid to not. That if they don't do something, it's not going to get done, and it's not going to get done how they want. So micromanagement, ego and micromanagement feed into each other. Right. Right. They feel I'm, each other. I'm so ego. So example, right? I'm so egotistical that if I don't do it, and I leave it up to you, Jeff, well, Jeff's not going to do it the right way. At the end of the day, take a step back. Does the job get done? Right. right. So let me use an example. Right. We do our weekly apparatus checks. Right. Right. Running our saws. So let's say it's a weekend that I'm not in town and I say, hey, Jeff, can you do this for me? Yeah, sure, Zach. No problem. I don't worry about that. You know, I start the case saw, then I start my chainsaw, then I start the other chainsaw, then I start the generators. Right. 
when you do it, I don't really care whether you start the generators first, the chainsaws, then the case out, whatever. As long as they all, all five started. of those all five of those items get started and run. Right? Right. So we talked a little bit about servant leadership and we've hit about hit on a couple of things. And that kind of reminded me of a of a quick story. My uh, one of my uncles is now a retired captain from the U.S. Navy. He was in charge of a sub. Um, he a lot of responsibility with that. That comes with that. One of the things that he taught me was, you know, when he didn't care how his guys got to the answer, as long as they got to, as long as they got there, right. If this was if this was the requirement, he didn't have to microman he didn't want to micromanage them. If he said, I need this done, it got done. Whether their process was A, then C, then D, then B, versus A, then B, then C. Right? Kind of it's kind of a little bit opposite, I think, of what we think about when we think of the military, especially the Navy. Right? Right. Very regimented, boom, 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 A, then B, Very then C. Structured. Right. But who writes those policies and procedures, right? And when's the last time that they went through that exercise? So when we look at our SOGs, right, we write an SOG. Right. Well, when's the last time we did it? You know, are we, are, are we taking a look at how it's, how it's completed and but, the steps? But were those steps followed correctly at that time too? Right. Well, that's a big thing. Yeah. Too, right that's that's competency right you have to have you have to be competent in your skills right but you don't just want you don't just want somebody doing something for the sake of well this was the order that was given it doesn't make sense right now Pretty much common sense really right now now again right i don't want you know chief says hey Go to the roof, right? We don't want somebody going, well, chief, you know. Uh, no, right? If you get up to the roof and say, hey, this is really spongy. Yeah. Then the officer's going to make You might call. be on your radio telling the chief, be like, I'm getting off the roof because it's spongy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? You don't need to go round for round and debate it in the driveway of the house that's that's on fire. But, you know, the chief gives an order based on the information he has at the time, that information may change. Right. So again, I think we kind of veered off a little bit. So let me bring it back, kind of the culture of things. Right? I think when you have a really good culture, you don't have... You Maybe you don't have a, a chief that's on the radio as much, barking out orders. Right? Things are just kind of done. Things happen. Right. Right, the chief can stand back and kind of just observe, and see what's happening, what's going on. It gives him the chance to see the bigger picture of what's going on. Yeah, and I think he gets the, um, you know, again, you have officers for a reason. For that delegation to make right. sure those specific tasks get completed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So again. You know, I, I guess it kind of goes back again to that culture question. Is it because of culture? 
or is culture because of leadership? And again, I think, I think it kind of changes. I think it depends on situation. I, yeah, case by case, I feel. Big time. Yeah. Because yeah. if we go to the department north, south, east, or west of us, it could be opposites to us or mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah, everybody's got their own way of doing things, right? Yeah. Right? There's no one way. No. So. So, yeah, I think, you know, again, culture culture and leadership are two huge critical components of the fire service. And I'm not saying that I came up with this concept, right? This is stuff that's been talked about forever. Yeah. Right? This it's is just a... the line to work for it. Mm-hmm. But especially in the fire service, right? There's a ton of guys out there talking about this. This is, you know, Jeremy, National Fire Radio, talks about culture in the fire service. Right. Right? The guys from Flow and Vent, they talk a lot about culture and leadership and, and, and tactics. The guys from uh, the Hook and Can, same thing. You know, their posts are a lot of tactical-driven stuff, right? But it's that competency. How do you build competency? Rep- you know, repetitive nature. Yeah. Repetition is key mm-hmm. with your why. So when you have a drill night, what are you doing? What are your drills? Are they going to be basic or over the top? Well, well there's what... nothing wrong with basic drills. No. Right? No. But. Basic, bury the bones, just so everyone's on the same page. Right. But what are your drills based on? Are they based on your department's SOGs? If your department right. has them. Right. Right. How many, again, you read, um, you know, you read some of the NIOSH reports. Obviously from line of death. Right. Calls. And one, some of the things they always say is, you know, SOGs were not followed. Or they didn't have a strong sense of what the SOGs really meant or their SOGs were vague, right? They weren't clear and concise. Right. But, 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 or the training was not consistent with what the SOGs were. So when you do a drill night, you know, in our case, it's it, it, we Wednesday nights, right? We go to drill. Um, our drills, like we mentioned earlier, are based in large part on our, SOGs, our department SOGs, and we work with our neighboring mutual aid companies, right? We learn their SOGs, they learn ours, right? We, we work together. So when we get that, uh, you know, get that fire with the automatic aid and we're going. If we're first in or if they're first in, we're going to know this is what we got to do. We know, we know that we're if we're, place. we know that if we're the second engine on scene and we're going to be pumping and feeding their engine, um, we need the national. We need the uh, the adapter, right? You know, with the national standard thread distorts, right? Right. But again, go 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 back to the young proby firefighter. Do they know that? And do they know why? They see that adapter. And, oh, what's that? Well, hey, this is what it is, kid. Right. Well, hey, how about instead of say, hey, these guys, this is what they run. Right, wrong, or indifferent, they run this type of hose. So we need to have this adapter when so we go we there. Run with them. Right. And conversely, they have that adapter on their rig 
for when they come to us. Right. So, you know, that that's how, you know, again, you work together, you build those relationships. You have to coexist nowadays. You have with to. each other. You have to, right? It's, yeah. it's Because we all got the same common goal. Right, we're Put all putting fire, fire out. out. Right, right. The homeowner really doesn't care oh. who puts the fire out, right? They as want long it. as you get there. Yeah. You get there, you put stretch hoses, you put the fire out, you limit the damage, you make sure people were rescued, we go home. Right? They don't want to, you know, perfect example, right? Again, the fire uh, on Saturday that we went mutual aid to. Right. I don't think the homeowners knew and or cared who's who was on those hose lines, right? No, it's the worst day of their life. It is, and they want to make yeah. sure that the fire goes out, the, the exposure to their house is, is, is mitigated. Yeah, their garage that was under construction is now going to be under construction again, but we're limiting the damage, right? We're, we're doing our job. Yep, that's all they care that's about. That's all they care about. Is that... We went there. We did our job. We did everything the best that we we could. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What else you got? Hmm. We talked a little bit about ownership. Uh, did micromanagement. So mm, we talked about aggressive and reckless. Right. Right. We've kind of talked about um we, we did hit on the accountability. Right? A little bit, kind of without hitting on it, but it's again all of these things are you can't see my hand gestures. All of these things work together. Yeah. Right? Um, They're all part of the leadership leadership circle when you think about it. Yeah, and it's not even so much of a circle, right? When you really start to think about it, put the word leadership in the middle and you just kind of keep drawing lines off of it. It becomes a web, right? You draw right. a line to one thing. Well, then that has three more lines off of it and you know more off of that, right? And it just right. keeps spider webbing out. And that's what I'm saying, you know, kind of said earlier, if you look at leadership, it's it's that big overall. Yeah. It's like right? you said before, it's vague. It's just a word. It is, right? And it's, it's you know, whether it's that billboard that you said, it's the big big leadership billboard. And, yeah. Ooh, that looks interesting. Or, yeah. or it's the big superstore, you know, leadership superstore and 40 aisles of, of leadership stuff, but all different things, right? Aisle one, you got servant leadership next to tribal leadership next to next to next to next to right. Right, and goes on and on and on. So as a leader, we have to be constantly looking at that stuff and reading that stuff, and you know, kind of what fits best for what, us. Exactly. Exactly. I, I'm a big believer in. You know, again, I said it earlier. There's not just one way to do things. Um, I'm a big believer in as a leader, you, you have, um, you, you, you have access to a lot of information that you can draw from and you kind of look at what works best for you in each situation. Right. 
right? No two situations are ever alike. But nothing will ever happen unless you put the work in for it. Oh, right. You have to work for it. No doubt. No doubt. As firefighting, firefighters, um, as leaders in the fire service, you have to put the work in. You have to, um, you have to show up every day and, and want to be better, right? I right. want to be better than I was yesterday. This is what I'm going to do today to fix what I did yesterday. Hey, you know what? It's, it's that, it's that, you know, uh, a baseball player swinging the bat, right? They didn't just get good at it overnight. It's a constant repetitive thing, right? Right. Um, football players, right? Yeah, when in the Super sport. Bowl. Pick your sport. Yeah. Pick your whatever, right? It's constantly, it's repetitive. It's it's you, You're always working. You're always working to try to make yourself better. Um, it's part of that all-in mentality, right? Yeah, definitely. Hard work always works. So, um, so what else? What else do you want to talk about? Hmm. Over, I feel like we're kind of wrapping up a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah. Um. I guess you know. I guess I would say that you know this is an evolving thing, right? Certainly, this podcast. Right. This um, this endeavor that we're doing, our pages, um, what we post, things that you know we kind of see come across. Um, and again, we're, we're guys that don't have all, all the right answers. Um, we don't have all the answers. We're still learning. We learn as we go. Every right? day. Every day. Uh, you know. Every day is a new lesson. It is. It has to be. It has to be. Otherwise, you know, you're, uh, you know. That old saying, right? The day you stop learning is the day you should hang them up. Right. Uh, right. That that's that's really kind of the the way we have to approach things, even more so now. So. All right. Wanna. All right. Call it here, and then we'll we'll kind of regroup and see what we what we come up with. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, it's been been fun. I'm not sure what our schedule or cadence is going to be here, but I think we'll we'll probably figure that out over the next uh, couple of weeks and months, and hopefully have some more content to share, some more of our ideas, our uh, thoughts, experiences. Yeah, yeah. We'll kind of you know kind of see where things go. So um, again, you know, thank you everybody. I'm sure we'll we'll have more as uh, as we move on. So, all right, all right. Thank you everyone.